Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 89. Guess what? Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I'm talking about marching off the map with Andrew McPeak. Andrew is a next-generation researcher, speaker, and curriculum designer for Growing Leaders, an organization dedicated to leadership development for today's youth in schools, universities, and nonprofits. And Growing Leaders' main curriculum, which is built around habitudes, image-rich lessons that connect learners to leadership lessons, is curriculum that's been used all over the nation and internationally. And Andrew is the co-author of a new book, Marching Off the Map, Inspire Students to Navigate a Brand New World, that he and Dr. Tim Elmore released this summer. Andrew, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast. Why don't you fill in the gaps on that intro and tell us a little bit more about yourself before we dive into today's conversation. Thanks, Will. It's um, it's an honor to be here, an honor to be um, speaking to you and your audience. I think it's worth me saying at the beginning that you know, it's a lot of work to write a book, but it's still way easier than what your listeners do, um, being day in and day out with the next generation and, and leading them well. And so I just want to thank you and, and all your listeners who work with the next generation and just say, you guys are our heroes. What you do is uh, incredible. So thanks for that. Just, I guess, a little bit more about me. Yeah, I've been working at Growing Leaders for about two and a half years and um, really got my start in curriculum design and um, presentation design. And um, I love researching and talking about the next generation. So I've, I've been doing that for almost 10 years, which is crazy. And so when Tim and I kind of connected about two and a half years ago, we had so much in common. And it's awesome to see, you know, two years later that stuff that we had in common kind of just emerged into this into this book. And so um, so that's it's pretty cool for me. I, I spend my time writing and, and some of those things. I also do some speaking on behalf of growing leaders. And then I'm also over our uh, program excellence departments like customer service and onboarding people who use Habitude. So that's what keeps me busy uh, every week. But it's um, it's an honor just to get to work with the, the partners like you guys who do what you do. Well, thanks for joining us today. And you probably are familiar with some of Tim Elmore's work. If you've read any of the Habitudes books, or if you've seen any of his content online, he's a prolific blogger. And Growing Leaders, uh, which is based in Atlanta, Georgia, hosts national leadership conferences. They do events around the country. I've had the privilege of connecting with Growing Leaders a couple of times uh, at their Atlanta events, and I always leave inspired. And Andrew, that's where I met you originally before you guys released the book. And this summer when I picked up a copy of Marching Off the Map, I was thrilled. And I would love for you to dive in with us today because so many of the educators that I talk to, especially educational leaders who I connect with around my state and across the country, are having a lot of the same conversations about the trends that this generation of youth is facing. And so I know that you spend a lot of time investing or investigating and researching through focus groups. So talk to us a little bit about the time that you spent with focus groups and the fresh feedback that you have about what issues today's youth are facing. Yeah. If you ever want to have a great time, just um, sit down in an open, anything goes conversation with middle schoolers. (laughs) that's what that's the main thing I learned is that's that's going to be always a good time. Um, you know, our our goal in doing that is we read a lot of research and we get in front of students a lot. 
But what I really wanted to do was see, you know, what would a student say to some of the data that we're, that we're reading about them? You know, I think it's 79% of youth today experience um, emotional, like being emotionally upset when they're away from their electronic devices. I wanted to know if I tell that to a middle schooler, how would they react to that situation? And so that, that was really the, the atmosphere we were trying to create in the room when we sat down and talked with those students is just, hey, I want you to react to how this world is reacting to you, you know, all the trends and statistics and things that we're seeing. And we, I would say we had a lot of things confirmed that we suspected mm-hmm. um, and, and a few surprises for sure. Um, but chief two, I would say ch- two chief kind of things that, that stuck out that you will read in the book too. If you, if you pick up a copy of that, um, the first one is that, that FOMO, if you've ever heard of that fear of missing out is real. And that terminology fear of missing out really comes from young people having anxiety and feeling like if they're away from their electronic devices, if they're away from their friends, if they're away from their connection to the world, that they experience anxiety. And not only anxiety, but because of all that anxiety, depression a lot of times, and, and even suicidal thoughts. And if you look at any of the statistics on on anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, you'll see all of it has increased, some of it exponentially, in uh, the last 10 years or so. Wow. What I can say about this generation through what we're reading and the focus groups that I did is that the, the concept of them living in this world of constant anxiety, that things are being said about them online that they aren't seeing – or that um, somebody's doing something online and they're not there to be a part of it. That is one of the most real characteristics about this generation that you can find. Um, they are constantly living in a state of uh, apprehension and anxiety, and it's, it's really disconcerting. That was something that we felt like we really needed to write about. We actually even um, ended up adding a chapter about halfway through the process called Storms on the Horizon. I think it's chapter 10 um, that just talks about depression and anxiety, uh, social media, and um, and even some morality questions that, that I think are facing this generation today. Um, the other thing that we really discovered is uh, the relationship that the next generation feels like they have to older generations. There was a really big belief in these middle school students that I spent time with that their parents, their teachers, the adults around them had absolutely no idea what their life was like, especially when they weren't around. Um, you know, they would make jokes about, you know, my mom took away my phone thinking that was the only way I could get on the internet. Little did she know she bought me a Kindle fire. You know, I actually had a kid who said that to me. Um, I can do everything that I do on my phone. I can do that on my Kindle fire. So it was just, it was almost like a joke to them that, uh, adults think that they know what, what their kids' lives are, are like. And, and, um, I actually discovered that, that for most kids, they do a really good job of hiding those things from, from their parents, from their teachers, from their leaders. And um, it requires on our, on our part um, a little bit of work to, to seek to understand them. So those kinds of conversations led us to feel like this book and this research and these conversations are uh, no longer just important. They're vital. Yeah. Um, and if those people who are leading the next generation aren't ready to have those conversations or aren't hearing the things that are going on in the lives of their students that they're leading, then they're just going to be way behind. And our generation is, is honestly in trouble in that scenario. Well, and what I find, Andrew, and, and I've experienced this in the conversations that I've had with school leaders 
here across the nation and and even in some of the events that I've sat in with you and Dr. Elmore is it's so easy for people to immediately identify what it is about this present generation that frustrates them most. And it's it's kind of the same conversation that every generation has had since the beginning of time, I think, which is let's talk about the things about the emerging generation that frustrate us or that irritate us. But what I find is this it's almost like this vicious cycle of self-defeating conversation of this generation is always on their phones or this generation doesn't understand um, commitment or this generation. And, and what I want to, at some point, I want to see that conversation move. And you guys do this. This is what, what I love about growing leaders is you guys confirm a lot of the assumptions, but you also discover things about this generation that maybe we don't know our strengths too. And um, and so let's go there for a minute too. What are some things about this generation that you've discovered that maybe educators need to know, hey, they've got strengths too, not just these struggles? Well, I mean, there, there's a lot of things that I think um, your listeners probably already know about. Obviously, their natural language is technology. So anything that involves the use of technology to solve a problem or even to serve people, we actually, at Growing Leaders, we define young leaders as those who solve problems and serve people. Um, I really think that's a really helpful definition of leadership for, for a lot of young yeah. people. And what I see is a generation of students who have a strong desire to leave a mark on the world. And they do that through technology all the time. I think this generation, what we see is a growing hunger for leadership and being a part of, of issues and, and even the assumption of some responsibilities. I know we meet a lot of young people who, who we would define as running away from a lot of the responsibilities that adults would like to hand to them. We also see a lot of trends towards young people wanting more leadership, more responsibility. And, and uh, what's interesting is a lot of the, those statistics are coming from the third world as well and other countries outside of the U S that's a really interesting trend. Um, So there's a lot of things like that where, you know, when we, when we read about the next generation, you know, I think it's well over 60% desire to be entrepreneurs, just different statistics like that, that, that when I hear that, it tells me this generation isn't lost by any means. And I think when we meet a young person, and they're on their phone and they might seem a little self-absorbed. We, we forget what we were like in middle school and we chalk it up to um, Facebook and Instagram and we kind of write them off. And I think it's, it's sort of the exact opposite. You know, the, the challenges that they face are large, but the opportunities that they have through technology, through our interconnected world, through all of the information that's available to them at their fingertips, the opportunity for them to be to have a greater impact than any generation in history is is huge and and I think that this generation has as much potential to be called the greatest generation as the greatest generation had you know through World War II and the Great yeah. Depression a lot of the opportunities that they utilized to make themselves into great people I think this generation is facing some of those same issues and has the potential to to overcome them in the same way and and I, I really believe I really hope that 40 years from now we're looking back at these kids and saying, man, look what they were able to accomplish despite all of the obstacles that they faced. I love that optimism, Andrew, and I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, I'm the dad of three teenagers and a preteen, um, a middle school son and three teenage daughters that range from college all the way down to middle school. And I have to tell you that maybe it's because I'm a dad, 
of this emerging generation. But there are pros and cons to the access that they have to to so much information. And yes, there are challenges uh, and we face those all the time, especially with understanding and discerning what they're, what they're learning. But the plus is also that they, they tend to have, I think a better perspective on the world than I did at their age and ideas of solutions. And so I'm encouraged when I talk to my kids, because I realize that, that actually there are many times when I'm listening to news, politics, educational issues, whatever that were their perspective is more is in my opinion more mature and often fresh if i can use that word that their perspective is healthier often than the people who are sometimes in those positions of leadership that we're trying to that we're asking to solve our problems so thank you so much for that perspective i don't know if this is possible but if it's possible to wrap your thoughts about today's youth into you know like one takeaway that could help educators change their mindset as they're working with youth what, what would that takeaway be? Yeah. Well, I'll use one of the analogies that we use in the book um, because I, I think it's for a lot of the, the educators that I speak to, it's a paradigm shift for them. Um, I think uh, one of the greatest pieces of pushback that I get when I talk about the next generation is, you know, isn't every kid the same? And don't, uh, you know, like I was 16 once, I went through puberty, all those kinds of things. Isn't every kid the same? And why are we changing to meet them? Why aren't they changing to fit the world that we've created? And I think in inside of that is a fundamental assumption, one that, frankly, every generation has pushed back on as they were growing up in an adult world, is that the world should be fundamentally oriented towards adults and 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 not shaped by the youngest generation. And I, I think there's a little bit of naivety in, in that assumption, but I think it's also getting away from a reality that's been present in our world since the beginning of time. And that is that there's two different realities always happening. There are the world changes. I think everyone would agree with that. In fact, a change is happening more exponentially now than it ever has in history, which is why we have to write books like Marching Off the Map. And in those moments with a constantly changing world, we would call people who live in that constantly changing world and, and survive there well, we would call them relevant or the term that we might use is timely. We use that term a lot in, in, in marching off the map. So an educator, a leader, a teacher who is timely is somebody who understands the issues that today's generation is facing and speaks to them in a way that they can hear it, right? So I think that's hugely important. Sometimes when we talk about the next generation, that's all some people hear. But I also want to be really clear that we also believe since the beginning of time that there have been things that are timeless, right? So they're, they're not in that category of timely relevant issues. They're in the category of timeless issues, meaning they have always been the same no matter what. And these are things like character, discipline, honesty, hard work. Those timeless values have been important from the beginning of history mm -hmm. and will will remain important no matter how much our world changes. Right. And so when we talk about the next generation, we are never asking people who lead the next generation to surrender all of those timeless truths and, and values and just do whatever the kids want. Um, right. I don't think that's going to lead uh, a young person to have a successful 
life, right? Because if you don't ever talk to them about showing up to work on time and then they don't show up to work on time as a result, they're going to get fired. No matter what futuristic job working on robots they might have, it doesn't matter. You've got to show up to work on time and you got to get your work done. So there are timeless values that I think older generations have to offer the younger generation. The issue is a lot of times we think that we hold on to those timeless truths. You know, I've got to teach reading, writing, and arithmetic, and we don't ever ask, are we communicating those timeless things in a timely way? Mm -hmm. And so I think relevant educators use what is cultural to say what is timeless. So they use that timely cultural stuff and they communicate the timeless values in a relevant way to the next generation. And that's one of the reasons why we, we talk about, you know, teaching with images or um, using, uh, it's in the book, we call it Epic. It's our, it's our four-part system for how to connect to the next generation and communicate in a way that, that really connects with them. But I think, if, I think if we just got that one thing as leaders in the next generation, that we use what is cultural to say what is timeless, I think we would, we would overcome a lot of the obstacles that we face when we try and lead and speak to them. That's so powerful, Andrew. And it's one of the reasons I'm so excited about the work that you guys are doing at Growing Leaders is because you practice what you preach. And at the events that I've attended, and not just as a as a learner at those events where I've been watching you guys present the research, and but you guys, you guys give us so much in terms of tools and ways and resources to make timeless truths Timely, and I love those distinctions. So let's move that direction for just a minute, because the first, uh, really, I believe the first half of the book um, is dedicated to kind of understanding today's youth and trying to make sure that we understand how important it is for us to be timely in the work that we do with them. But the second half of your book really kind of moves towards solutions. And that's where if I was listening to this conversation right now and had not heard these terms before, I would be saying, that sounds great. But how do I become timely? What are some ways that I can better reach this generation of learners in a timely way? So go there with us for just a little bit, Andrew, because I know you've got some suggestions on ways that educators, parents, anyone that works with youth can become more timely in teaching timeless truths. Yeah, that's good. So I'll give you one more analogy that I think is helpful. We use a an analogy called swing sets that I think is really um, helpful. If you think about the way that a swing set works, and if you ever pushed a kid on a swing set, you know, the first thing you do after you push them on the swing set is they say, Hey, push me higher. And, and if um, you want to push that kid higher, one of the things that you have to do in order to create the leverage and, and speed is to pull them a little bit farther back than you've pulled them before. And then they'll go farther forward than they ever have before. And I think that one of the ways that we can say that we can sort of discover how to live in this dichotomy of timely and timeless is to do just that. We need to ask some questions that are swinging back questions yeah. Things like what are some timeless values that this generation is going to need to succeed in, in the future workplace? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what sort of things did I learn when I was their age that were really helpful to me even to this day? Questions like that where you're kind of swinging back and looking into the past and digging out some of those timeless things are super important. But then you can't get stuck there. You have to ask some swinging forward questions. What is the primary learning style of today's generation? That's a great question, right? Mm -hmm. What are the technology pieces and other things that this generation is going to have in the future that I didn't have, right? 
what are exciting ways that I can uh, use today's technology to talk about those timeless principles, right? If we ask some swinging back questions and then ask some swinging forward questions, the answers to those questions, we can kind of find that in-between spot. I'll also go into, because I think it could be helpful for, for me to go into um, what we call our, our epic way of leading students. We think today is an epic generation. And that word epic, even though they like that word, that word is really for us, it's an acronym uh, to remind us, it kind of becomes my checklist for me to to ask how well am I communicating to the next generation. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's really simple. E in epic stands for experiential. So are we creating an experience to go along with the words that we have to say, are they getting a chance to put, to go hands on, you know, it's lab instead of lecture. Right. Uh, And it's easy for a science teacher to, to get to create that experience. But what, how are we doing that in English class? How are we doing that in math class? How are we doing that in, you know, all of their classes to create an experience where they get to have a chance to get hands on with what you want them to understand. Because what we're discovering is, um, you know, this is a generation that grew up going to, you know, kids museums where they get to lick it, touch it, taste it, kick it, smell it, whatever it is. And and, uh, if you grew up in that world, then you have a sort of a natural expectation to get experiences uh, whenever you're learning something. P in EPIC stands for participatory. Are students getting to participate in the outcomes of the conversation that you're leading? Does their feedback mean that what they say is actually going to influence the conversation? You know, this is a generation that got to vote on who stays on American Idol and The Voice, right? They get to like every YouTube video that they watch and comment on it. They've, they're used to when they, when, when somebody says something to them, they get to say something back. And, and how many of our conversations are two-way conversations? So one of the things I'll do when I'm leading the next generation is, uh, I will actually, I'll stop several, at several points throughout um, you know, my talk or my presentation and I'll say, what do you think? You know, talk to me, tell me something. What, how are you reading this? Have you ever seen this happen? Uh, you know, in, in your experience, have you ever faced this issue? Have you ever thought about this question? And what, what we find is that student engagement just skyrockets when they get to participate. The next letter I stands for image rich. Um, and, and this isn't just pictures, but this is a world full of images that they've grown up in. But what we try and do is do we have a, a picture for their heart that goes along with the point we have for their head? And a lot of times we're just thinking analytically and we're not thinking emotionally. And what we've discovered is that if you'll use an image, a metaphor, a story, something that creates an emotional response in those students that it just increases engagement, increases retention, all of those kinds of things go along with it. So, um, so E is experiential, P is participatory, I is image rich, and the last letter C stands for connected. I think we live in a world um, of full of artificial connections, and students have a thousand friends and haven't met a lot of them in in physical face to face form. And I think if we, as leaders of the next generation, would provide an opportunity for them to have real face to face connections, to build empathy, and um, to build um, connection with somebody else, I think it's just, it's just going to make a huge difference. I think leaders who provide opportunity for connection to form in their classroom, in their learning environments, whatever they are, are the ones who, um, who will have students who are really excited to show up to class every day um, because they just don't get those kinds of connections 
in other places. And if you provide that opportunity, they're going to sort of be drawn like a magnet to that. Wow, that is so powerful. And I just want to, because I know sometimes I'm, I listen to podcasts while I'm driving, or maybe I'm not in a place where I can take notes. So Principal Matters listeners, uh, let me just summarize that really quickly for my own, for my own good, uh, but also for you. So going epic is experiential. How can they touch, taste, smell, see what they're learning? Participatory. How does their feedback guide what they're learning? Image rich, not just pictures, but stories or metaphors, ideas that touch their hearts and their heads and connected. How is their learning connected to empathetic face to face relationship building moments? Because great educators build relationships with students. And so that epic learning is timely teaching that that's so great andrew thank you for walking us through those examples because i think that's such a great way to in a simple way encapsulate the ideas of reaching teaching timeless truths in a timely way you've already touched a lot on on technology and most of the folks that listen to this podcast are people that love technology or otherwise they would not be listening to a podcast but i still meet educators who struggle with how to harness the benefits of technology without being so sidetracked by the challenges. And I'm just curious if you have any advice for educators on ways they can use technology to their advantage and um, whether in your own practices, you've seen ways that that can be done uh, at the same time without it becoming a huge distraction. Yeah. One of the things that we talk about a lot at Growing Leaders in terms of technology is I, I tend not to, you know, I've had a parent come up to me and say, my, my daughter's 10, when should she get Instagram? And I really don't want to answer that question um, because I think every, every student, every classroom is a little bit unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that technology should always be paired with uh, the maturity level of the, of the students involved. But I think the biggest issue whenever we're talking about technology is, is that I think today's students have technological expectations that they've sort of painted over everything in their life. I think there's an expectation for them that technology gets to be involved in everything. And I think that's a sort of a false assumption that they've taken on. And it's because so much of the world is technology driven um, that I, I think it really is healthy that there are separate moments. Moments of uh, monotasking rather than multitasking, right? Because every piece of technology requires us to, sh- to really split our attention in, into multiple areas. And so um, what, what I would highly discourage is technology being a part of a student's life from literally the moment they wake up, you know, at whatever time in the morning to the moment they go to bed. I think there do need to be breaks in there of some kind. And maybe that happens in your specific classroom or your specific school. Uh, if you're listening to this and, and, and thinking about that, um, I do think it's very healthy. And, and so, so many studies are coming out right now about mindfulness. And if you haven't heard that word, definitely look it up and, and check out some articles that are coming out about mindfulness, focusing on one single task mm-hmm. and not, not splitting your, your brain, especially for young people. That's really helpful. But if you're thinking about how do I get students to have a healthy relationship with technology, I really encourage people to utilize this thing we call metacognition. And we talk about it again, we talk about it in the book and um, metacognition is really student ownership over the process of learning. 
And one of the things, like, for instance, I've talked to Tim several times. We talk about video games a lot because they're a huge issue that I think parents and, and leaders of the next generation face in all these different capacities. And when we talk about how do you get a kid um, who's totally engrossed in video games to see, first of all, that they are, in fact, totally obsessed with video games. And second of all, to see that that might not be always a good thing because it, it just feels like because they have technology-driven expectations that, that their assumption is all technology is good all the time. And, and we know that as adults, we know that's not true. Um, and, and the way that we resolve that is through metacognition. So, for instance, uh, I've talked to Tim about this. When his son started getting into video games as a teenager – what Tim decided to do was not to come to his son and say, here's the ground rules. You know, you can be on your video games for this many hours on these days of the week and nothing more. Instead, he went and he found um, an article on the positives and negatives of video games and how they affected, especially, um, you know, young males. And he took that article, he printed it out, he took his son to Taco Bell and they each had a copy and they read it together after they ate their meal and they had a discussion. What do you think about what they said? Were you surprised by anything you learned? Is there any, you know, thing that sticks out to you? And then he asked them just a really interesting metacognition question. What do you think we should do as a result of what we're reading here? Wow. And you know what his son said? I think maybe I should only play, you know, just a couple hours, maybe a week of video games. And of course, Tim said, I think that's a good idea. Wow. Um, and this is what I think. You know, if we live in a world full of technology, we can't, we're never going to be able to dictate what a student should and shouldn't do because there's just so much access to it. Plus, once they leave our school, they, they have to know how to have a healthy relationship with technology. So one of the things that we can do, I think, as leaders to help them is to begin asking some questions that are more helping them thinking, think about their own relationship to technology. Is it always healthy for you to be on your phone and just uh, just see what they say you know if you need some help bring in an article or a piece of research and and let them react to it but i think that's the healthiest thing that we can do with young people is just try to remember we're not leading kids we're leading future adults and eventually if they haven't figured out how to have a healthy relationship with technology it's going to come back to bite them because they're going to be on their own at some point and, and we um we got to prepare them for that moment not just the present moment, we've got to prepare for the future moment as well. Wow. Andrew, there's just so many golden nuggets coming out of this conversation. I can't keep up in my own notes, but I loved how you ended that segment where we are leading future adults, not just kids. We're leading future adults. What a great reminder. And as, of course, as a parent, that's a great reminder for me. And as an educator, um, what a great reminder. And I also really appreciate the balance in Especially, you know, you're a young um, leader and a and and an author who's researching youth, and so you have, I think, a really great perspective on encouraging people to stay timely, which means embracing trends and technology. But at the same time, and you just did what you said earlier, which is helping them understand the timeless truths that will guide their technology. And so technology is something that can can be a tool and a support in what we're learning. Um, but that's what it is. It's a guide and it's a tool. It's not an end all. It's helping you reach a goal. And so I think sometimes as educators, we get really excited about the newest resources and tools and technologies. But if we forget that they are simply 
a tool to lead us to in a direction of understanding content or understanding lessons or understanding timeless truths, then we've missed out on the value of the tool. And, uh, and that's fantastic. I can't, any other thoughts on that before I go into my next question? Well, it did make me think I, I, Tim says this all the time. I, I know he got it from somewhere. I'm not sure where the quote comes from, but just remembering that technology makes an amazing, fantastic servant and a really horrible master. And I think that's <laughs> what we're trying to do is, you know, help, yeah. help uh, students realize, you know, the difference between those two things. Technology makes a fantastic servant and a horrible master. I can't let you get away, Andrew, without talking about habitudes, because that's one of the first resources that I encountered in uh, my relationship with growing leaders, and I can't recommend them enough. Uh, explain f- for someone who's never heard that t- term, what is a habitude, and how have you found them to be powerful ways of reaching students and teaching them leadership? Yeah. You know, I, I came along to an organization in Growing Leaders that um, has a lot of words that we've made up because we believe when you when you can't find a word that says what you wanted to say, you you get to make up a word that says what you wanted to say. So uh, habitudes are images that form leadership habits and attitudes. So we've combined two words there. And really what it is, is it's an image-based learning system that focuses on those timeless truths So we're going to talk about character. We're going to talk about personal growth. We're going to talk about discipline. We're going to talk about authenticity. But we're going to do it using a timely method, which is uh, images and stories and metaphors. And not just that, but we it's also designed to spark conversations. Um, So, you know, if you bought a Habitudes book, it would be a chapter that was only about three pages long, and it's mostly full of stories. And at the end of that, it's going to spark conversations. So there's going to be questions that you, you as a leader would have with your students. And, and that's really the design for us is, and you can see how Epic is kind of flowing through all of that stuff. There's images, there's participation, there's experiences, there's connection. And um, that's really what Habitudes is designed to do. What's cool is uh, over the years, Grown Leaders was founded in, in 03. And since then, we've actually, we're going to release our, our ninth Habitudes um, course next year. And so we're, we're looking at into the face of about 120 different habitudes images. And so what we're able to do with that, that library is help you as a, as a leader have any conversation that you need to have with, with students, you know, um, the beginning process course one is about self leadership. So how does a student think about, am I leading myself? Well, cause if I, if I'm not leading myself well, how can I lead others? Well, and then from there it expands to, some advanced courses helping you think about how do I shape the culture of the school that I'm in? And we've, we've met some really incredible 18 year old students who are ready for that kind of conversation because they're, they're thinking about themselves as a leader and and really exercising some of that leadership. But all of it is designed um, to start a conversation between uh, a facilitator, a teacher and students uh, that eventually leads to the student adjusting their habits and attitudes to, to think and act like leaders. And we just believe that if, you know, not every kid can have the position of a leader, right? There's, there's only one, you know, class president, but every kid in your school can have the disposition of a leader. And we just think that if all students uh, in this generation thought and acted like life-giving, servant-hearted leaders, that we just see a world that would change so quickly. And, and everybody listening knows 
that that's exactly what would be the result of that. Um, if every, if every kid was thinking, how can I solve problems and serve people in my community and, and yeah. for, on behalf of the, the peers around me. And, um, so that's what Habitudes is designed to do. It's really simple. It's really short. It's really easy, but it is using what is cultural to teach what is timeless. Principal Matters listeners, if you have a group of students in your school who you know would benefit from lessons about timeless truths and images that could help spark those conversations, check out the Habitudes resources that Growing Leaders has at their website. And I'll have Andrew share that contact information here at the end of our conversation. But if you've got a National Honor Society group, a student council group, a FFA group, any kind of leadership organization within your school, or even students that you're mentoring uh, through at-risk identifications, whether they are on the leadership list or whether they're kids who have the potential to become leaders and all students do, I think they would benefit from from those resources. Thank you, Andrew, for, for sharing that with us. What are some ways that listeners can connect with you? Because um, I just want you guys also to know Principal Matters listeners that Andrew um, and Tim, they're not only authors, not only do they provide resources, but they are fantastic presenters and speakers. And for those of you that know the work that I do with my Oklahoma Association of Secondary Principals and with COSA here in Oklahoma, we are bringing Andrew McPeak to our June summer conference. And so, Andrew, we're so excited to have you coming to Oklahoma to share with superintendents and principals and directors and education leaders in our state how they can understand today's youth so that they can reach them. But I know others who are listening to this may want to connect with you as well, may want to find resources for their schools, or may just want to explore some of the resources that you guys offer. So how can how can they connect with you and how can they find out more? Yeah. First of all, Will, I'm really looking forward to being with you guys uh, this coming summer. It's going to be awesome, and I really look forward to that. So thanks for that opportunity. Um, if, if you're interested in Growing Leaders um, events or resources like Habitudes, um, you can just go to growingleaders.com and check that stuff out there. If you wanted to pick up a copy of Marching Off the Map, you can get that on marchingoffthemap.com. So those are pretty simple. If you're a social media person, Growing Leaders is at Growing Leaders. Um, you can find Tim at, at Tim Elmore, E-L-M-O-R-E. And I'm just at Andrew McPeak, M-C-P-E-A-K. So you can connect with us there. Um, we also, Tim and I, write on a blog three times a week. And you can find that at growingleaders.com slash blog. Um, and we just talk about these kinds of issues, leading the next generation. And what does that look like? What are the challenges we're facing? How to navigate specific issues and questions and diff- different things like that. So, um, yeah, connect with us however uh, works for you. And I- I'd love to hear from you if, if you're interested in-, in connecting with us. Well, the book is Marching Off the Map, Inspire Students to Navigate a Brand New World by Tim Elmore and our guest today, Andrew McPeak. Andrew, I can't thank you enough for the time that you've taken to spend with us. Do you have a final word or thought that you'd like to leave with our listeners? Yeah, I uh, I would just love, uh, first of all, to say thank you for what you're doing. Um, don't lose hope, but but I'd instead choose hope, right? It's a choice that we make to see that in, in the next generation. And just remember that you, um, you have so much to offer these students. They may not feel like they need to come to you to get information um, because, you know, they've got Google and all these Siri and all these people, but um, they still need you. They need you for interpretation because they're in a world that's too much for them to handle and they need great leaders who who will walk alongside them and be kind of the guide on the side uh, for them. So you are Yoda 
they are Luke Skywalker and, and everything that you do matters so, so much to them. So thank you for you, uh, Will, and for all of your listeners for um, taking up that, that responsibility. Thank you, Andrew. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Will. Well.